production of KMmedia.pro. Welcome back to Positive Talk Radio. Our goal is simple, to explore evolving ideas one conversation at a time. So come on over into our world. I know you'll like it, because on today's show... Today's show, we feature an incredibly talented lady. She's been in media for uh, news, news media for two decades. She's got a company called The Polite Company, uh, and she teaches people etiquette which is a word that I think in our day and age is a little used and a little understood, but we're going to talk about that to a great degree. And first of all, Eric is here. Eric, it's raining again. Is this the way of the week? Uh, at least out our window, it doesn't look like it's raining at the moment. Oh, okay. uh, but yes, yeah, it's going to be it's going to be a little bit moist this week, but you know, Hey, it is December and uh, it looks like it's going to be a bit drier than last week. So uh, something of a change of pace, if you will. Anything is drier than last week. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Well, you know, we've got a, a very interesting guest who was in, I just found out about this. I, I have a, a good friend, uh, Mary Jackson of the, of the um, sisters, Jay, and they've been on the show before. They live in Tennessee, and they live in Nashville, right outside of Nashville. And they had a series of tornadoes. Several people were killed and stuff. And it turns out that uh, the, the guest we have on today, uh, Christy, was in the news media when the Joplin tornado came through years ago. So so that wow. was quite an experience. So we got to talk to her about that and etiquette. Yeah. And all of that kind of stuff. So uh, thank you for being here. Uh, you're listening again to Positive Talk Radio right here on KKNW. We're here Monday, Wednesday, Friday, and then Friday on Kixie at 3 o'clock. So you can catch us all the time. And we're uh, really happy that uh, you are hanging around with us on a Monday afternoon, trying to probably drive home. Um, so, Eric, thank you so much. And with that, let's bring uh, Christy Spencer onto the show. Christy, how are you? It's so nice to see you. I am doing great. It's nice to see you too. Well, you know, we were talking the first time that because we have a little meeting to get together and stuff, and you really have had a fascinating life. Uh, when you look at it, do you look at it that way? <laughs> uh, I guess so. I, it's hard to call yourself fascinating, but it's been interesting. Hopefully, my experiences can help somebody else along the way, but um, fascinating might be a stretch for me. <laughs> well, do you remember um, the movie Pretty Woman? Yes. Do you remember? And I was thinking about this as I was preparing for this show. There was a point in the show when she was supposed to go out to a really hoity-toity fancy dinner. And they had like four different forks and, and a couple of spoons and a knife. And she didn't know how to eat any of that or how, to, how it all worked. Uh, and it was very, very scary for her because she wanted to make a good impression but she didn't know how what you do is you help people get a grip on it so that they know how so that they can make a better presentation for themselves would that be a fair assessment yes so it is just knowing a few simple rules and i would think you know 
escargot is not something we're normally going to be eating, but everyone remembers that scene, you know, the slippery little suckers scene where it goes <laughs> flying across the, uh, but there, and there are several movies that, you know, kind of can give us an impression that etiquette is outdated or it's only for fancy people or it's only for rich people. And my process is that it's really for us every day. And just knowing a few simple rules and applying that to our situations can really enhance our relationships. Well, and you work with corporations, you work with individuals, all with the design of, of doing what etiquette is, which what it isn't, it isn't about memorizing a set of rules. It really is about building relationships. I plagiarized that from your website just now. <laughs> you did a great job. <laughs> because it, it really is. And I'll give you an example, if I can. Um, I drove a bus in Seattle for 12 years. Um, and they had an attitude there that in, and a rule that if you were more than 59 seconds late, yes, I said 59 seconds, you would uh, lose your shift for the day and be written up. Did that three times, you were no longer a bus driver. So consequently, over the years, I take it very personally when people are late. Is that part of etiquette? Is that part of being making a good impression is being like, I don't know, on time? Actually, that is the very first rule that comes down to every etiquette lesson that I teach to people. And you can't make a good impression if you're not there on time. You can't have a good interaction, really, when you start off apologizing for your actions. And so being on time is the name of the game. Now, I think people are going to be a little bit more grace, you know, give a little bit more grace than 59 seconds to people. But it really does, it is, it is important to start on the right foot. And being on time is the first and maybe the easiest thing that we can do. Why is it, because <laughs> I know some people, why is it that people either, is it that they don't consider it important or it's not, is it not important enough for them to make the extra effort to be there on time? It can be a number of things. It can be, I, I was one of those people who I, I always arrived one to two minutes behind where I was supposed to never ahead of time. And it's just that it's just a change in the way that you set your mind is to think about maybe you need to think about when you need to leave as opposed when you need to be there. But I think that people aren't intentionally being rude, but we do have a lot of things that are tugging at our time. So time management is probably that the biggest reason why this is happening. You know, I have a sad story for you. My when my son went into the military, he's he's in the Air Force, and they had an intake uh, ceremony um, at at the place down in Seattle that you're supposed to go, and that's where the kids kids well they are kids they, in my mind they were kids 18 19 20 year olds and they get inducted into the military and from that moment on they belong to the military and then they run on military time so they they're not late they're going and and his mother wasn't aware or didn't pay attention to how long it was going to take her to get from where she was starting off to this facility so traffic was a little heavier and and so, so in, long story short she was late so she missed him 
They took him. He was gone. She said, well, can't they get him back? <laughs> I said, sorry, kid. He doesn't belong to us anymore. He's now in the military. And that, so it can have really wide-ranging consequences if you don't take that seriously, can't it? Absolutely. And you think about making a good first impression, whether you're going to show up for a job interview or whether you're going to show up to try to, you know, sign a new client. Being late is just the easiest thing to prevent, really. I mean, some things are going to be beyond our control, but really, you know, just start off, just be on time. And it's as easy to be a person who's late as it is to change and be the person who's always on time or a little bit early. Now, is it uh, really uh, not very fair of me to, when I make a date with somebody and they're late, is it unfair of me to judge them harshly or should I just say, oh, they're just late. It's okay. It's, but from my perspective, if I was important enough to make the appointment with, I was important enough for them to be on time. I can't agree more with you on that. I mean, it is it is a, a poor impression that we make. So being on time is just the simplest of rules. And it does show respect for the other person. But also when we talk about etiquette, sometimes we talk about how it's easier to see rudeness in other people than it is to see in ourselves. So I say, you know, I teach people to use these powers for good and not evil. So you know, a, a lecture then on why somebody shouldn't be late is is not where you're you're probably going to want to go. But it it is impossible for us not to have that feeling in some respect that we are being disrespected. You know, um, and we're going to get into more on etiquette in just a second. But I want to go into your background because there aren't a lot of people who get to be in uh, the newsroom on the television newsroom for a couple of decades and like you were. And so I, I wanted to ask you, what's that like? And is it as, I don't know, as scripted as we think it is? Yes, it is. At least in our newsroom, it was, you know, I mean, every second is accounted for when you're doing local television, you have to get in your ads, you have to, you know, start on time and end on time. And then it all comes back to that time again. You know, I mean, it's, it's you can't start the news at 5.05 or 6.05 or, or those kinds of things. So, you know, being on time comes into play again. It was a, an incredibly stressful time. Um, typically, people don't last in television news for a couple of decades because the schedule and the demands are so heavy to, to deal with. Um, and you also think about you get to tune into the news whenever you feel like you want to be up to date. When the people who deliver that news have to live every story, and you think, oh, the news media, and it's easy to point fingers, and they're callous, and they're, you know, um, exaggerating things. But honestly, at the core, everyone's just a person. And this was our community that we were reporting on. And so every, you know, terrible thing that happened, you knew about. And as a regular person, you don't really have to experience all of the bad stuff day in and day out. So that was, it was tough. It was tough, but you know, I was so glad. And, um, and in local news is different than obviously national news. I mean, we were able to really highlight our community and talk about the good along with the bad, but sometimes the bad was really difficult and a lot to, to take in. 
Did you ever get, or did anybody that you know that worked in news, did you ever get jaded by the fact that there's another bad story and here's another one and oh my gosh and oh dear and all of that? Did, did, do people get jaded? Oh, absolutely. I mean, because you're not necessarily thinking about people, you're thinking about time, you're thinking about stories, you're thinking about being competitive, you're thinking about, you know, trying to be first and exclusives and those kinds of things. And that really can wear away at our self-awareness and how we participate in our communities. So I would say that it, it you come in and out of it. You know, I mean, there were times when you were very, very focused on those kinds of things. And other times you could step back and be like, you know, it's it's just news. You know, I mean, we we don't have to take it so seriously. It's um, sometimes yes, it's really serious. But I think sometimes it was just it was just easy to kind of get caught up in that negativity, and that's what I decided I wasn't going to do anymore. <laughs> <laughs> well, I I totally get it because if you turn on the news, a lot of times all you get is oh this poor thing and that poor and this happened and that happened now, now here's a little controversial thing i would like to address because i think i'm hopeful that it's changing uh, but i don't know that and that is the fact that um the news anchors and they generally have a man and a woman uh, generally or sometimes two women but the, the women have certain standards of appearance that the men don't seem to have young beautiful uh is that is is that changing or is that kind of the the way of the land you know i think that there is an expiration date on females in the news business which there shouldn't be um no. it's not the same for men and women but also journalism is not attracting the people that it used to because we don't sit down at night and watch the news you know kids who are in high school now are going to college, sometimes being a journalist isn't even on their radar in that traditional form of being on radio or television. So everything now is to be on TikTok or to be, you know, social media. And we used to laugh at those people and think that's not a job. Um, and then it turned into be one. So um, I think it it is just, it's changing. And I don't know that, um, how long traditional news stations and local television stations will be relevant and in the mix, honestly. Well, with the 24-hour news cycle, the way it is now with CNN and MSNBC and Fox and Newsmax and all those guys, uh, you, can, you can have all the news you want. Granted, there are slants to what you get, depending upon who you listen to, uh, but you can have all that. But there is a flavor of, of local news that the national media doesn't cover, which I hope we don't lose. I know we lost, we've lost, we've lost newspapers. I used to love having my newspaper dropped off at my house. You can't even get that done anymore. They don't even have them anymore. Yeah, it is definitely changing. I think that we're becoming more and more segmented. Everyone has their favorite way to receive news, whether that's a morning newsletter or if it's, you know, a five-minute podcast. It, it's just changing. And I think that in some ways, um, maybe we're going to miss on, out on that community and experiencing things together because we don't have that shared experience. But it definitely was something that um, it's evolving for sure. Now, at the very beginning, I asked you where you were, and you were in the Central Time District, and it's a time zone. And because I have friends in um, 
in uh, Tennessee where this uh, tornado or series of tornadoes hit over the weekend and several people were killed. And you mentioned that you were in the news, in the newsroom, when the tornado in Joplin, which was one of, for those of you who may not remember, was one of the worst tornadoes in the history of the country ever. Um, and you were in the newsroom when that happened? Yes. I, when, the, when the tornado physically hit, I was making dinner for my kids and um, we decided we're, I mean, we're pretty through and through Midwesterners. We don't take cover like we should. Um, so we were on our way, went to the neighbor's house and they had a basement. And then, you know, of course we're tuning into the news like everyone else was, um, had a call that we had some family that was trapped in their home and started to try to get to their house. And as we were driving, the destruction was just unbelievable because when a tornado is on top of you, even meteorologists, they don't, they don't know the scope of it until, you know, things clear. And so we were, we were driving and as we were driving, it seemed like power poles were falling behind us in the road and we were disoriented. We didn't know the landmarks. We couldn't even, you know, tell what streets that we were on. And it was at that time where I said, we got word that the the family members were okay. And I said, turn around. I've got to put my shoes on, which is the number one thing when you cover a tornado, put your tennis <laughs> shoes on, um, go change my shoes and went to work. And I think that, you know, that day was about a 48 hour day that we put in, not, you know, we were wall to wall coverage for most of the time and it was really chaotic. But in that it was oddly fulfilling because many days, what we said on the news didn't necessarily matter a whole yeah. lot. That day and at that time, it meant here's where you can reunite with family. Here's where you can give blood. You know, all of those things that became so important. And it was, you know, it was really, um, it was nice to be part of the solution that day. Even though we were reporting difficult things, we really were there to serve our community. And really, that's what you got into journalism. Journalism to do really is to serve, wasn't it? Oh, absolutely. I mean, that's I, you learn to love people, you love their stories, you love your community, and you had to do that in order to, to stick it out. And that was just one of those times where it became really apparent why we were there at that point in time. You know, uh, we, we live in Seattle here. And so for those of you that are in Seattle or migrated from California or something like that, you, unless you've been in the Midwest and you've been in a tornado zone and there are uh, uh, sirens going off, you haven't seen or heard of fear that to me, that, that is like, especially at night because you can't see anything. And uh, for the, the first time I traveled to the Midwest, I turned on the TV in the hotel and there was a little uh, box at the, in the bottom corner of the screen that had the uh, counties that were surrounded where the hotel was. And there they all have this during tornado season on all the TVs so that when you are watching TV, if it turns yellow, or turns red, there'll be a little sign that says, if you're in Jefferson County, do not delay, go down. You, you've, you've seen that, right? Oh, sure. Yes. Put it on hundreds of times. 
and I, but I can't imagine. How do you guys sleep at night when that's going on? Uh, I guess just an extreme uh, positive attitude that, you know, what are the chances that this is going to happen again? Um, in, in my community, we found out 10 years to the day after the Joplin tornado, our little community got hit again with a tornado, much less damage and, and much less serious than that. But you have a, you know, you prepare, you have tornado shelters and you have basements and you, you know, you have a plan, first of all. And then um, you just, I guess we just pray a lot. Well, I, I admire people's courage that, that cause, and I know that when um, your news team was out and about in Joplin and we're talking to people who had lost everything, their house was now a pile of sticks and they were trying to go through and find some important papers and stuff, but that was all they had. Um, and that, that would be a real heart wrenching moment to be talking to somebody. And we had five people just in our newsroom who also lost everything. They had no house, no car, no nothing. We set up a, a closet where people were bringing in clothes because yes, you lose your home. You still have to report the next day on the disaster. And we we really tried to be very focused on those employees and, and setting them up in hotels and, and doing what we could. Um, and we brought in counseling after the fact to talk with folks. And I had such an extreme amount of guilt for making people do that. And it was very helpful because afterwards they said, if not for that, we wouldn't have known what to do. We're talking about kids who just got out of college. They had an apartment, probably didn't have any insurance, but no. they said coming to work was what got them through that and to help other people i'm glad that that you had that experience from only from the standpoint that that it's a story that's worth telling you need to write a book about that someday. <laughs> i should um, i should have taken better notes <laughs> <laughs> but at the same time it led you to what you're doing today which how did you left the newsroom and then did you immediately start your own company or was that a process as well it was a Sunday side gig that I was wanting to do. I was taking etiquette classes and I kind of had this idea of, wow, so I could choose to do something different. You know, I mean, we think that this is our lot in life and this is our destiny and it's too late to change things. And I thought, no, I really want to change and I want to take what has been some negativity and I want to turn it around. And I can't tell you that change. It happened at the exact right time, but I can't tell you the change that it made in me. So I have no regrets about not doing it earlier, but I'm so glad I decided to, to bet on myself and do things a little bit differently from here on out. By the way, we're talking with Christy Spencer, go to her website, which is thepolitecompany.com. And I'm so glad that you brought that up, Christy, because I'm firmly believe that we, our life is a journey and we are some total of all the things that happen to us in our life, but there is no time when it's too late to change. You can always do something else. You can always work to better your situation and to to live the life that you would really like to live. And so many people don't do that. And that's one of the reasons why I wanted to have you on today is because you did that. 
And now you're all about helping other people learn how to um, build relationships, to be kind to one another, um, to have integrity and honesty and all that. I can't think of a better occupation to have. So thank you. Yeah, it's a blast. I love helping people. I still love to tell people stories. I love to do interviews like this that kind of brings my background, even though I wasn't an on-air person, which is funny. I did everything I could possibly do not to be on air for 25 years. And now, you know, when somebody says they need an interview, I'm the first one, my hand's up in the air. So I, I love bringing that aspect to it as well. But, you know, just being in business and interviewing and hiring hundreds of people, that is some experience that not a lot of people have. And so I think that, you know, when it comes to making great impressions on job interviews or at the table or in a virtual meeting, all of these things kind of combine to, to help other people out. And when you said, uh, when somebody said, well, so what did you do? And, and you said, I was in the news business for 20 years. And was, oh, really? What is that like? You know, and it really does stir up an interest in, in things you're doing. But tell me about Emily Post. Who is Emily Post? So Emily Post, you know, here's, we're going to come full circle back, but think about somebody who changed her life mid, mid lifetime. So Emily Post was 50 years old in 1922 when she wrote her first book on etiquette. And that book the next year in 1923 was the second best-selling book behind the Bible. This was a book that people were so um, drawn to because people wanted to learn how to the other half lived. And she was an affluent person. She was a debutante. But she also gave the reader the knowledge that you don't have to be rich. You don't have to have a certain last name. And you don't have to have a certain education or any of those things to have etiquette. And people at that time, uh, we had a lot of immigrants coming to the United States and they all wanted to learn and fast track how to be American as fast as possible. And so this was their, the way that they learned that. I think there's so many people that have an Emily Post book on their bookshelf that their mom gave them or their grandma gave them. And it really has uh, evolved over time. So the Emily Post Institute is still thriving. They also do podcasts. They came out with a new book, totally revised that 1922 book, which it's been different editions over the last few years, but really just a complete overhaul. And things have definitely changed, but really at that core of what Emily Post thought, which was consideration, respect, and honesty, doesn't change. Those are still really important values today. And you you graduated from her her program, correct? Yes. So her great great grandchildren run the program, and I was lucky enough to have her great great grandson as my teacher, and it was um, just a really awesome experience to learn. These aren't old things. They aren't old fashioned. They're not antiquated. They've really kept them up to date to change with the times. Well, you know, we got to take a break, but. Uh... I wanted to ask you, and I'm going to ask you now to answer this when we come back from the break. And then, and that is this. By the way, first of all, we're talking with Christy Spencer. Go to thepolitecompany.com. Okay, you're in a meeting. You're having a dinner meeting with a client. And 
everybody's looking at you because apparently you're chewing loudly and and they're looking at you i want you to tell me how to deal with those kinds of things that you might not even know you're doing unless somebody's really particularly honest with you um, so again, we're talking with, uh, Christy, uh, Spencer, we shall return in just a moment. Stay with us. You're listening to positive talk radio. Thank you to our dedicated fans. We are updating our live on air schedule to make it super easy for you to hang out with us five days a week, Monday through Friday at 3 PM Pacific standard time. We broadcast on YouTube, Facebook, and live on Fridays with Kixie 880 AM Seattle live. You can find our library to binge all the podcast platforms. We can't wait to see you at 3 PM Monday through Friday, starting September 4th, Labor Day, 2023. Hello, everybody. If I could have your attention, please, I have an important announcement to make just for you. As you may know, PTR is heard and seen on radio, KKNW, and now Kixie, several websites, podcasts, YouTube, Twitter, Facebook, and most social media. At PTR, we believe in working together to make the world a better place. And because you're listening, we know that you're dedicated to the same. So we'd like to support your efforts by offering an outstanding multimedia package for you at a deeply discounted rate. As our partner, you'll receive commercial creation, both video and audio, at least 10 commercial plays per week, a monthly show to highlight your business and passion, exclusive website positioning with links, video shorts for social media, commercial plays on all shows, podcasts, KKNW, and Kixie. Your commercial is embedded into each episode and as a podcast is sent to over 50 different platforms. All shows are performed live and sent to Facebook, YouTube, and Twitter and stay there forever. Your podcast episodes are provided to you to use as you see fit. This one-time offer is only $250 a week based on a 13-week commitment. And as our partner, we are vested in your success and will do everything in our power to make it happen. However, there are limited spots available, so don't hesitate. Please email me at kevin at kmmedia.pro and let's get the ball rolling. When you want to say more than words communicate, you can with flowers. Your custom boutique floral studio in Bothell, Washington is anaturaldesign.com, connecting you to nature through the language of flowers. Where your people are is where our flowers are beautiful. Your success is our goal. Anaturaldesign.com at your fingertips today. Hey there, I would personally like to thank you for making Positive Talk Radio part of your day. Whether you like podcasts or the radio show, we're glad to have you along. I'd love to hear from you with thoughts about the show and ways that we can make it even better. You are the reason we do these shows because the more people we can touch, the better we can make the planet and our time here just magnificent. Please contact me, Kevin, at kmmedia.pro with any thoughts, comments, or suggestions. And thank you for being in my dream. Welcome back to Positive Talk Radio. My name is Kevin McDonald, and you're listening to KKNW, 
11.50 a.m. We have a great guest for you today. She has got the Polite Company, and if you go to thepolitecompany.com, you'll find all about Christy Spencer and how she can help you probably do a little bit better when you are in a tense situation that you don't aren't sure about how you should be behaving and what proper etiquette is. Christy, welcome back to the show. How are you? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. You know, I said to myself, I better speak proper English today or I'm going to be um, chastised a little bit. But... No, there's no finger wagging coming from me. <laughs> oh, good. <laughs> I wanted to ask you because it's in our family, this is a bone of contention. And that is when everybody's sitting around the table and everybody eats a little bit differently. And how do you understand when you are being a, an obnoxious eater and work to change that in some way? Uh, this is where family dinners come in. And they're, you know, I'm a huge advocate for family dinners to begin with. But when we do teach our children how to have manners at the table, and we don't have to, you know, get out the ruler and hit wrists and those kinds of things, but just some little reminders about, you know, we talk about elbows on the table and people think that that's a no-no. And actually that has never been an absolute no at the Emily Post Institute, even in 1922. Um, but while you're eating and while you have utensils in your hands, not to put your elbows on the table, those little rules, um, teaching kids what fork is a salad fork and what the entree fork is, these little things can help kids out so much when they get to be older. And then we're being judged. And people do judge you for your manners, whether we want to admit that and or whether we agree with it, people will judge you. So I think that's where families come into play. And it doesn't have to be a family meal every day or all the time or something fancy. We can talk about etiquette as we are driving in the car, eating that, you know, take out McDonald's. And we can talk about etiquette in so many situations. But just to make children aware, I think is really helpful. I also teach college students. And I think that it is such an amazing service when colleges recognize that everyone grew up in a different way, different style and from different places. And that one of the fundamental things that colleges can do is to let their students know about some of these etiquette rules, whether it's in the workplace or at the dining table. So it, the, the best thing is to prevent that obnoxious eating in the very beginning of um, people. But if you were to eat with somebody and they were, you know, I, I tell the number one rule is don't gross other people out. And if you say to yourself, um, is what I'm about to do going to gross other people out? If the answer is yes, don't do it. Um, but then we also talk about, well, what grosses you out and what grosses you out? I mean, that's different for, for everyone. So some people that is chewing with their mouth open. I mean, I, that's universally. I don't think anyone's going to find that very attractive. But, you know, it's just it's just knowing, knowing and guiding people a little bit better. You know, times have changed because my dad was telling me one time as I was slumped over eating dinner, he said, you know, when I was your age, my dad took a, 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 a ruler uh, one of those uh, a yardstick actually and he put it down my back so that i would sit up straight uh, because to him that was a big deal back back then and uh i don't know is that still a big deal today 
I think when we're wanting to make the very best impression possible, and this maybe isn't every day that we're going to be thinking about these things, but at least knowing how in the most professional of situations and the most formal of situations, a few rules really does help. And I know, um, I, I hear this all the time, people say, well, did you start doing this because people are so rude and no one has etiquette anymore? And that really couldn't be further from the truth. So it is true that we're more informal than we ever have been, but I think that that is a good thing because it is so much easier today to stand out than it ever has been before. And so I say, you know, use that to your advantage. Be the person who writes that thank you note. Be the person who has good posture. Be the person who knows, you know, a few of those dining table manners. And I think that it does so much to help us stand out from and be, a, you know, a differentiating fact when we are in those professional settings. You know, you just said something that I'm going like, oh, crap, I've never done that. Um, but uh, thank you notes. Is that something that you need, you should write as a thank you note? to send to somebody or can an email work or a text work? Uh, what's the best way to send your appreciation? I, I'm going to go back to that. The very best way is that handwritten thank you note. That's the most touching thing. That's the thing that stands out. It is not bad manners to send a thank you note in any form. So if that is an email, if that is a text, you know, it really just depends on the situation. But I think who doesn't like to get something personalized to them in the mail? It's so rare and it's so special that I think that it's impossible to go wrong if you send that handwritten thank you. You know, I'll, I'll agree with that because I occasionally, very occasionally, because I'll have somebody on as for an interview and they will send me a thank you note. I still have them all. I don't have the texts. I don't have the emails, but the personalized ones that they wrote and most of them were in cursive or whatever. I have, I've got them all because they're important to me. Yes. And so with that text, with that um, email, we just delete, or I don't actually, in my case, I have like, 9,000 unread emails, but um, <laughs> most people delete. And so, but that handwritten thank you, I have the same thing. And I, when I go to classes, I, I get thank yous af afterwards or I do things and I keep every one of those thank you notes. So if you want to be remembered, send the handwritten thank you note. I, it really is important. And, and in sales too, if you decide that you're going to be a salesperson and you want to go, and well, actually it's anything. If you want to go for an interview, and I'll tell you a quick story. I was in the food service business and there was a brokerage that was picking up a new line. They were picking up uh, Nally's, I think it was, that they have may mayonnaise and salad dressings and different things. And so I went to um, um, drop my resume off and uh, the gentleman wasn't available for me to talk to. So I left and I went and bought a jar of mayonnaise and I emptied the mayonnaise out and I put a note in it with a bow around it that said, I hope you'll look at my, e or my resume and thank you very much for the opportunity and put it at their front door. He still had that jar of mayonnaise on his desk months later because it was so unusual for somebody to go to that length and to really appreciate the opportunity that he was maybe giving me. He didn't get the line, so I didn't get the job, but that's beside the point. 
but is that a good thing to do? Oh, absolutely. I mean, anything we can do to personalize our interactions, we don't get that chance often enough, or we don't take that chance often enough. And so whether that is that handwritten thank you note, if that's, you know, a small gift, but just showing just showing that you knew to do that, really probably opened up opportunities, even if that particular thing didn't work, you never know where the word of mouth is going to go or what, you know, you that might have gotten you. And if it's just the act of doing those things and really being in tune and looking for op opportunities. So we talk about thank you notes. Do I have to send the thank you note? Well, no, you don't have to send the thank you note, but you're looking at it in the in the wrong way. You're looking at it as an obligation instead of an opportunity. And every time we have an opportunity to touch other people and to connect with them, even if that relationship doesn't go a lot further, you've at least practiced that. You've got that muscle in your mind and, and that memory of how it feels to be thoughtful and how it feels to personalize something for somebody. I think that that was a, a great strategy that you employed there. So um, I say, you know, don't hold the mayo in that situation. Go for it. Exactly. Exactly. Because we have to make an impression. There's so many people out there and everybody's go ahead no i was just saying it, it it is it is all about that first impression and i have people tell you know ask me is is it you know what should i do about my tattoos or those kinds of things and i say you know what things have changed but you have to at least be aware that there are some people who are going to judge you for that and just knowing how to minimize it is a really powerful thing i say you know the outside is your billboard we're driving by that highway and that's your billboard. We don't get to explain the billboard. We don't get to tell the backstory of the billboard. We don't get to do anything. That is the impression that we're making on people and we don't get to choose that. So I think that that's one thing to kind of keep in mind. Now I'm a little older and I used, you know, when I was growing up, tattoos were something that Navy guys did um, and nobody else, but is getting a lot of tattoos, does that, or using your body as a billboard as it were does that does that cause i, I imagine it causes some employers or or using uh, or having um 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 nose rings or things like that that can be negatively affecting uh people as well can't it it can and i think that that's it's really more that first impression that it is any other time because we've all met somebody who initially we thought Mm, gee, that's not what I was expecting, or they don't live up to a certain image. But then you get to know them, and you do a great job, and people look beyond it. So it's really managing that first impression. So I'm not saying go get a job and then get a face tattoo afterwards, but it <laughs> is that um, it is possible, and it, it is not as much of a stigma as it used to be. So there are some people who haven't been in prison or in the military or are hell's angels that also have tattoos, you know. I know lots of grandmas with them. I have a bone of contention with my youngest son. And he's in his he's in his uh early 30s now and he has always grown up texting. I disagree with him fundamentally about texting because talking to somebody on the phone and really connecting with them is different than texting, isn't it? Or, is it, or am I just being a fuddy-duddy? <laughs> 
You're not being a funny daddy. Wouldn't you think that with all the ways we have to communicate with people now, we would have zero communication problems. But what we forget is that when we're emailing people or we're texting people or we're giving phone calls, remember to employ all of those different things. So you don't have, you know, sometimes it's a text if it's a who, what, when kind of thing. But other times you're explaining yourself or sharing an opinion or you need that human contact with other people to understand the context of the um, conversation that you're having. We don't get to put emotion into text or worse yet, we all put whatever emotion we're feeling into what somebody else sends us. And that's not, not really very effective for communication. What does etiquette say about emojis? I... I have a prediction and I'm going to, this first time I've ever shared it. Oh, good. But, um, News, I, I, it is. Yes. Um, I think that we're going to have a change in the rules. So really now the rule is professional emails. You do not use emojis in those professional emails. Again, this is kind of a generational thing. And so I think um, that, and I have on, on some, some, thought about this is that that's going to change where emojis in certain professional situations are going to be allowed because it does make us a little bit more human. And it also can also provide that context that we're missing sometimes. So it's hard to be sarcastic in an email or in a text message, but we can always add that with our emojis. So I, I'm embracing emojis. I'm not going to use them in my very first professional emails, but I think once you get familiar with somebody, that can actually add a little bit of a touch point with them is that, listen, we're familiar enough that now we can send emojis. I think it's taking those relationships to the next level and I'm going to stand by it. Very good. Well, <laughs> as, as well you should, because I tend to agree with you. I think that emojis more than doing like LOL or, or BFF or any of the other things, which I have no idea what BFF means. Um, and, but doing an emoji, it's kind of more universal. Uh, if it's a crying face or a smiley face or a, a, you know, somebody who's laughing hysterically, that kind of thing. Um, yeah. Oh, <laughs> Eric just told me what uh, BFF means, and it means best friends forever. Thank yeah. you. <laughs> From on high. I, I, that, is, that is funny. I appreciate that, Eric, um, because he's a little younger than me, and there's there's lots of them. But, and they change over time, too, don't they? Yes, I think, you know, I mean, even emojis have changed. Really, that crying face, laughing emoji is really reserved for a certain generation of people. Um, so I think that you, 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 it's fun to to explore and to use them. And it gives us a little bit more visual and emotional clues for things. I agree with you 100%. And, and you know, one of the things that, that you talk about a great deal is being kind and being positive and being, and which is one of the reasons why I wanted you on this show, because you know, the etiquette can call for that. And it's important to be kind. I'll give you another example. I went to lunch with a guy that, that thought he was all that in a bag of chips. You know what that means. He thought yes. he was really cool. <clears throat> and, uh, and so we were there having lunch and now I grew up in the restaurant business. I was there in there for 20 years and um, he was rude to the waitstaff. 
Um, and I don't care what kind of a job they do. If you're rude to the wait staff, then I don't want you around me. So that that was something that in his etiquette, he thought, I guess, he thought that it was okay for him because he was showing his domination and his power about being, and he thought that was okay. I thought he was a knucklehead. Um, so is that is that kind of a thing too? Oh, absolutely. That You're touching on my very number one etiquette rule when it comes to dating. And that is pay attention to how your date treats the restaurant workers or the bartender or wherever you go, because that's a real good clue of how they're going to start treating you once they're not putting on the airs of a first meeting. So I, I definitely think that it makes such an impression and it makes people so uncomfortable when somebody else is rude to somebody, you know, a waiter or waitress or server, it's, it's really a, a huge turnoff because that is who they are at the core and really not having that self-awareness. I don't think that if we have a choice to be around that person or to do business with that person, we're not going to do it. I think that is a really good. So guys and gals, if you're going on a date later and, and the person that you're going out with is rude to the people that are serving them, then that's a good indication that down the road, they're going to be rude to you as well, because that's, that's who they are. Absolutely. I think that that, you know, those stressful situations really do define us and tell other people so many things about us. So, um, but that's, that's one of those things I teach with dating etiquette. Perfect. Now, what is, if you were to give us one of your most pressure or, or uh, um, important etiquette guidelines, what would it be? The number one is to think before you act and understand your choices before you make them. So some people think, oh, I didn't have a choice. I had to do this or I had to do that. I don't think you did. And a lot of people are talking to be heard or they're talking because they want to persuade us. And even if they were in the wrong, you know, we, we still plant our feet and go kicking and screaming even when we're wrong. But if just thinking about those choices ahead of time, you can think about what's the situation that I have, you know, here? What are my choices? What can I do that will make the relationship better? And whether that's a difficult conversation, giving people feedback they might not want to hear, or, you know, apologizing for a mistake, Thinking about those options and assessing the situation is the number one thing that I try to get people to do. Especially now, you, you in one of your blogs that I was looking at it, you were talking about uh, that that very thing, a hard conversation. That really takes some skill to be able to make a hard conversation work without it blowing up in your face. Yes, and what it really takes is considering that other person's feelings, doing things privately, all of these things that that we know. But again, that takes thought ahead of time as how am I going to say this? How am I going to empathize with the person? How do I think that they're going to feel? How would I feel if I was in a situation? And so just kind of running through those ideas ahead of time, keep you from just blurting out the brutal 
things that you you feel like you want to say to somebody. So again, it goes to that communicating with, you know, really the intent of listening to the other person. Now we also need to get our point across. So sometimes we we do have to to be direct, but being polite does not mean that you're a pushover. Being polite doesn't mean you never say no. Being polite means you know how and when to do it. You're about to tell me one of the most important things, in my opinion, in inner uh, human uh, activity, and that is the art of listening. Um, can you can you help us understand the art of listening and how to do it better? One thing that we can do is to not give in to our urge to always say what's on our mind. And I tell people, kind of give yourself a little virtual pat on the back when you resist the urge to chime in on something that really doesn't need to be said, because then that forces you to listen to what the other person is saying. And most of us don't make the mistake of not talking enough. Most of us make the mistake, as I'm here going on and on for an hour, of talking too much. <laughs> so I think that it's, I tell people, it depends on the situation, but, you know, think of it as a pie. That conversation is a pie. If there's two people in the conversation, you should be speaking 50% of the time. If there's three people, your time's reduced to, you know, 33%. Think about how much time you're taking and how much you're doing the talking as opposed to doing the listening. You know, one of my favorite things is I know in the in the in the broadcast world, as in the radio world, death is silence. Dead air is absolute death in in our medium. But in interpersonal relationships, if you have something to say and you say it, just letting it stay there and being quiet rather than feeling feeling like you've got to continually feed the the airwaves with conversation just be quiet and let them answer. Is that a good strategy? I think so. Just a little pause of silence there to make your heart <laughs> you had, stop. <laughs> you had, had me going there. Eric was looking for loose wires and I, I was like, oh no, she's frozen. What a horrible time for that to happen. No, um, you know, etiquette is something that we can have, have fun with, but yeah, it is, it is listening and it it's so important. I think that we are trying to fill up so much space in our lives and whether that's social media or attention or being in front of people, it's okay to sit back and it's okay to observe people. And you will learn so much more from doing that than you necessarily will be by getting your point across. You know, one of my favorite things to do on the show I'm going to do right now, and that is this. Uh, we've been talking for almost an hour. By the way, we're talking to uh, Christy Spencer and go to the politecompany.com. I would like to take the opportunity to set myself aside and for you to tell our audience anything in the world that you'd like them to know. And I'll just sit here and be quiet. <laughs> I, I want people to know that you know, etiquette is a choice and it's positive. And it's one of those things that is a gift that you can give yourself if you're wanting to be more confident in situations. So I can't think of anything more valuable than knowing how to make those good first impressions, whether it's for friends or whether it's in a business situation. And that's what I love to help people do. And by the way, I have to tell you, as far as etiquette goes, you understand radio etiquette perfectly because you don't go on and on. 
you make your point and then and then you be quiet i love that about you you were just awesome uh again christy spencer has been our guest go to her website go hire her if you need some help if you've got a, an appointment with the vice president of somebody go talk to her the polite company.com is who where you find her and i want to thank you so much for being here thank you and by the way we'll see you wednesday at four on kknw and by the way be kind to one another because each other's all we've got we'll see you wednesday Thank you.